Hi. Hi. And, and welcome <laughs> to the season finale of season three of This Weekend Voice. Sponsored by Microsoft, Microsoft AI is sponsoring this episode as well as all of season four. We'll have much more to say about that later. We'll link to Microsoft AI in the show notes. And if you have not met Noelle LaCharity, you need to do that. We'll include her information in the, con in the show notes as well. We have a very special guest today, Mark Cuban. Mark, say hello. Well, so I don't know how special I am, but hey. <laughs> I, I can assure you you're pretty special. Now, this is the uh, period of the show where normally we will allow someone to introduce themselves. Um, that seems a little bit silly in this case, but I was thinking about it. I'm sort of curious, how do you introduce yourself? You do so many different things. Yeah, entrepreneur, geek, you know, that's typically it. And owner of the Dallas Mavericks and on Shark Tank sometimes, I'll add. There you go. There Pretty you straightforward. Go. Um, we appreciate you giving us the time. And with that, we'll get to the news. Cool. Story number one, Mark Cuban and voice getting personal. So I'm going to pick this up from your interview with Paul Kutzinger, great guy, works with Amazon. Uh, we will link to that interview in the show notes of this as well. In that interview, Mark, you talk all about Alexa um, and how your family uses it, how you really embraced it. Uh -huh. And, uh, and I love that, by the way, that's uh, something that makes you unique is, is the, you freely talk about family. You really don't have to probe with that. Uh, I love that. The question is, what would it take for you and your family to switch from perhaps Alexa devices to Google or Samsung is about to make a big push? Is there anything in particular or uh, a related question? What would it take to have these devices side by side in your house? Share with us your thoughts on that. Sure. Well, first, I tried Google Home, but I couldn't get it to link because of the login requirements in terms of passwords. So I had some challenges there um, because it would have been easier to start off with Google, actually, simply because I use Android as much as I use Apple devices. And so but that that was that's probably been 18 months ago. And I know it's changed. I just haven't dove in. Um, but it, it's a great question because the incumbents always have an advantage. Right. So there has to be something compelling that makes me say, you know what, this this is something that's uniquely, uniquely better. And so, you know, I've seen the comparisons between um, the voice now, the, the results of Google Home being better with, with than Amazon, but it's hard really as a customer to experience that, right? You don't know until, you don't know what you don't know in terms of using one versus the other. So there have to be something that really simplified, simplified a transition and made it so that there was some compelling reason to switch. So, for instance, if um, it did an automatic analysis of my home somehow with, with a walkthrough, or it knew my phones and it knew where I connected on Wi-Fi because I use um, Android, um, and as a result, it had already had an idea of um, the layout of my house, where I can place devices that would be better or um, the devices I have in my house and what connectivity um, between them that would be easier. Um, maybe there's tools for my kids. My kids are 9, 12, and 15 that allow them to do something easier or better in school or something that's more entertaining. You know, it's like anything else as a consumer. Once you buy into the concept, in this case, voice, then it's just a question of what's the most compelling application. And it, I think that's what it would take. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, yeah I'm saying there's a chance. <laughs> um, excellent. I'm minded excellent. about everything, you yeah. know. 
Well, uh, inter- interestingly, you're just talking about use cases. You're not really talking about privacy, and we'll get into that in just a second, which I think is a commentary all of its own. Mm-hmm. I am here at Atlanta Tech Park. Normally, I'm in Nashville in our studio, and that's why you don't see this week in voice behind me. You just see a studio. And thank you for them for allowing me to come and speak. Uh, a lot of the executives I just got done talking to were very interested in voices application to healthcare, and that leads us to one B. Great to see you're okay with your your uh, your, your your health issue. Um, obviously, you're thinking about voice in healthcare. You're thinking about everything in healthcare. Um, what do you think we're going to see with voice applied to healthcare? What are you hoping to see for voice in healthcare? How do you look at the potential? Well, the first thing, um, and it's a great question, is for doctor notes. Obviously, being able to take, to have um, a device in a hospital room or in um, a doctor's office or wherever an examination or procedure or process is taking place. And right now, depending on the doctor, you might see the doctor taking notes. You might see a nurse taking notes. You might see a transcriber. That's all they do is take notes. And that should be voice driven, you know, where it's trained and the doctor can, you know, learn how to talk in in a manner that the NLP won't have issues with it. You know, there can be trained vocabulary. So words aren't foreign to, to the, the system. And with that, it can almost create the equivalent of a basketball play-by-play so that, you know, you can make each common discrete, you know, just like in, in doing, you know, voice typing, you can say period, you know, new paragraph, new this, new that, whatever it may be. I think with that, um, as, and the accuracy already is high and will improve, I think you can start to, to make it native, digi- it make, make the um, whole process a digital native, right? So that you don't go to analog, even, you know, even if you're typing into a document, even into an electronic medical records um, system, it it effectively is analog because something has to come in after the fact to make it searchable and usable for something else. And so going natively voice can really simplify that, speed it up, reduce costs and make it more effective. And then if you really want to take it to an extreme, you know, if we have generalized AI 25 years from now, you can have your AI listening in and, and it could ask for help. 25 years from now, you, you need to make some more investments to get, get this moved up. No, I'm talking about generalized AI, right? I'm not speaking for us as opposed to just some basic stuff. That, that actually brings me to a question that some of our audience wanted me to ask you, and I was debating whether I was going to leave it out or not. You're so invested across so many different things, so many different businesses and sectors. Um, are you? How do you view your own investments with ter- in terms of voice? Do you, when you're meeting with companies, do you say, "Hey, what have you done with voice? Are you looking at this?" Or are you invested in specific companies? What are your thoughts with voice in terms of investing? You know, I haven't done any voice specific investment simply because it's so hard, right? There, there are so many areas. It's, it's very horizontal more than it is vertical. And, you know, I look at it as like a spreadsheet. It can be applied to everything and anything as a tool. And so, you know, there, there are tools, there are companies out there that are optimizing voice as a tool, but they're typically huge companies, you know, Microsoft and Google and Amazon, et cetera. And that's really tough to compete with. And then you look and say, okay, well, how can you apply voice to give to create and build a company around that. And I think there's opportunities there more as an integrator, if you will, 
right? So I think you're you're already seeing um, an entrepreneurial explosion in terms of voice integration and applying voice in new ways. And I've looked at some of those, but those are harder to scale, you know? And then you look at just the the simple feature aspect of voice. And I try to push all my companies into experimenting with it because it's still very early, right? It's not like voice, you can charge a premium because you have voice right now. And so we're still trying to find our way through. And and really the angle that I've tried to pursue is to um, look at voice keywords kind of as URLs. And so you know, for instance, right now on, on Amazon, you want to try to own the keywords that are relevant to your company. You know, so I've got um, one of our companies that is look, uh, which one did I just, I've, I've pushed so many in that direction. Um, oh, maybe it was Dude Wipes. I forget. It was a Shark Tank company. And okay. in fact, I wanted them to say, you know, when you go on to Amazon and you ask for, um, washing something or cleaning something or soap, you know, their dove is already there giving you, giving you feedback and giving you whatever solutions they have. And they've kind of taken over that category by being early. And so what I'm trying to do is push our companies to create skills that not only take advantage of voice, but also the, the integration of voice and video and text and, and infographics, et cetera, as more and more people use um, echo shows and, 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 you know, maybe even Facebook portals, whatever, whatever's driven, whatever, whatever's going to be out there in the market. Because I think if you don't do it and somebody else grabs a keyword or, or a search mechanism central to your company, you know, it's like losing, it's like losing the URL the, that perfectly fits your company. You're going to be at a disadvantage. Are you suggesting that you know someone who owns and uses a Facebook portal? No, that, I just think about it. Facebook portal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't, but I'm trying to be encompassing, right? <laughs> I'm just making sure, Mark. I'm just making sure. Um, no, I'm buying one, but even I didn't want to buy one. <laughs> yeah, well, you're not alone. I'll leave it at that. So, um, yeah, you know, you're touching on all sorts of things. Um, like I said, it's interesting to hear you didn't really talk about privacy right. in, in what might be your switching costs, in essence. Um, you're a very wealthy individual, a very well-known individual. Um, your thoughts on privacy and data security as it relates to voice, it's a non-factor all the way up to it's everything. Where are you at? Um, two different things, but... Yeah, I don't know if you know who Scott McNeely is, the old CEO of Sun Microsystems. Mm-hmm. And he always says, you have no privacy, get over it. And I'm, I kind of lean in that direction that, you know, someone for, for the last hundred years, someone could walk up to your mailbox, steal your mail and find out anything they wanted to find out about you. And there wasn't a big move to lock mailboxes. Now, obviously, it's easier. And, you know, our data is aggregated in different places. So if you go to the source, then, you know, you, 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 that's where you see all these huge breaches. Um, but at some point, you have to trust, you know. And I think there can be risk with small entrepreneurial companies who might be you know, acquiring data or might be recording you and, 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 re- and analyzing after the fact, whether it's audio, voice, or video, whatever it may be. But I think, you know, there's so much at risk for companies like Amazon and Google, and they've learned 
the hell that Facebook is going through right now, that it's almost like net neutrality in a lot of respects. Net neutrality, the principles make perfect sense, but no company's stupid enough to violate them anymore. Ten years ago, yeah, they would have. But now, if you know, if you're accused of violating net neutrality principles, you're going to lose half your customers. And I think now with what's happened to Facebook, you know, yeah, there, there's always that chance that somebody can be nefarious. You know, that if you think, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's just a bad guy, and he's no matter what he says publicly, he's going to take your information. All right. I mean, I don't think my information. If you want to hear what I talk about at home, <laughs> you know, and That's even little, yeah. I'm talking about crazy stuff and you want to have somebody annotate it because Cuban talks crazy and, you know, his son makes up all these words and we're annotating it privately. And now what are we going to do with that? I, I, I think that's a worthwhile risk. That's the way I feel about it, too. I've had a, uh, a Samsung flat screen TV in my office for about a year and a half. It's pretty, pretty new one. And, you know, the, the news about Samsung with those specific models of televisions um, that can be susceptible to eavesdropping. And right. the, the first thought is, wow, I guess you know how boring I really am. Um, <laughs> good, good job. Well, you know, you know, there's there's audio eavesdropping and then there's the cameras, right, that a lot of the TVs had. Sure. I, I will put a piece of tape over the camera on my TV because that's harder to protect on even a local network at home. Well, and you may find this interesting. So one of the events that, that we do is called the Alexa Conference, and Amazon was the, the sponsor of that, uh, and um, it, it grew quite a bit uh, this year. And our keynote was a woman named Keisha Williams, uh, who is a well-known tech speaker. Uh, she works for Chick-fil-A, uh, but she's much more well-known for, for uh, talking and evangelizing the impact that technology has on minorities and women. Mm -hmm. And she's recognized by Amazon as an Alexa champion, which is their designation for, hey, you've done some cool stuff with Alexa. We're going to recognize you. And I had her on this week in voice and shocking to find out that, like you, she works with her children with Alexa. And there's interactions there around Alexa, either using it or you know, starting to wade into development. Wait, let me start you real quick, because when we keep on talking about Alexa, my Alexa is going to keep uh -huh. on going. Oh, yeah, it's a rite of passage. Yeah, deactivate it. Okay, we're good. I just muted okay. it. Um, that is a rite of passage of, of this show. So, um, interestingly, as celebrated as she is and as, as enthusiastic as she is about Alexa, and recognized by Amazon.com Inc., she, at the end of every day, unplugs all Echo devices in her house. And... She told me that, and I was, I was in shock. And I think that that just speaks to sort of your point, um, which is that there's different comfort levels and there's different mentalities that we have. But we, always, we have one eye open no matter how much we trust these companies. Yeah, you know, you look, you look for anomalies, right? You know, I went to Russia one time when it was still the Soviet Union when I was a kid. And I remember talking to um, my roommate at the time, a guy and saying, and one of us saying we had a headache. And the next morning there was aspirin outside the door. You know, when stuff starts to happen, those types of anomaly type situations. Yeah, people will respond differently. I, it'd be crazy to do that. That's not to say it's impossible for it to happen. Now, where this really starts to get freaky, if you really want to be concerned, is as 5G starts to take hold and you're in a zero latency environment. 
Because at that point in time, if you have a 5G router in your house, depending on the coverage that you have, you might not have Wi-Fi any longer, and it might be more of a real-time connectivity, and that creates new types of opportunities, not just in terms of responsiveness, but in the ability to switch between different hosts. You know, so it may well be you want somebody listening in. Hey, we have an emergency here. Plug me back over to um, my doctor. And you've already got that information, Alexa. And, you know, turn on the video and let's do something that has some medical benefit. You don't get that benefit right now because there's just not the speed. There's so much latency. There's so much switching hassle just to connect, you know, that calls are, are the best we can do. Um, but as we get into five, 5G, I think we're going to start finding so many new applications. You know, as, as the population ages and we have older and older people who are at home by themselves in particular, you're going to have a need, whether it's home, Alexa, whatever it may be, where somebody might say, you know what, we're going to put you on our doctor's program. I can easily see, see Amazon as part of Prime saying we have 375 doctors who are geared towards, you know, um, the aged and helping you, you know, monitor them at home. Sure. Why, wouldn't, why wouldn't they? And so we'll get to a point that I think we'll make some privacy decisions that will be part of the settings. You know, how much privacy do you want? Absolute privacy. Don't listen until you hear, you know, I hit a button. Like when you use Alexa on your phone, you have to hit the button. Do you want the phone type approach? Do you want it, you know, no five seconds, no more. So that's just, you know, the open word, or is it, leave it open. This is my grandma's house. I want you to always be monitoring it. You know, I think that's, that's the logical extension as 5G and other technologies take hold. That's a great point. And some, yeah, I think that that's something that not everybody thinks about is the convergence of other technologies and how everything impacts each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so if Mark Cuban is 21 years old, back in college, um, thinking about careers, thinking about um, building wealth and impact, and you're looking at voice. The way I phrased it in the stories was, you know, three examples. I'll just take one. Sure. What, what's the one thing, perhaps, one example, one thing that a young Mark Cuban would pursue like hell right now in voice, like your life depended on it? Well, first, I'm still young, but two, like, what am I going to do to pay for beer money? Um, I would be writing skills all day, every day. I'd be walking into businesses. I'd, I'd um, talking to them just, hey, for 50 bucks, 100 bucks, I'll write a skill so that for the reasons I mentioned earlier, you want to have those skills with your name so that, you know, ABC Electronics in a different city doesn't grab it ahead of you. Two, I'd become an expert in voice SEO. Right. Because as people, as Amazon trains you to search for things using ambient voice, then that that SEO becomes more and more critical. So understanding what type of searches there are, how to respond to them, what responses get the best, have the best impact. So that would be the second most critical thing I did. Third, I would be going to um, commercial lodging places like hotels and building a business on how to optimize um, voice for tenant or um, um, 
people were staying at the hotel, right? People, um, for different lodging applications. So when then, so over a period of a year, 18 months, every possible question has been asked and analyzed and there's a skill for it so that in my hotel room, if I want to order popcorn, I can just say, Alexa, order me popcorn from room service, right? Or Alexa, train, tell me what options I have available to me in my hotel room. You know, those are the types of things that I would do because people aren't, aren't taking the time to understand how simple Alexa skills truly are and home skills, et cetera, truly are. Um, it's almost like in the early days um, when spreadsheets first came out. I used to make a lot of money writing macros for Google Spreadsheets. Back in the old days of DOS, when there were batch files, I would make money writing batch files. Not that they were hard, you know, or doing basic, you know, programming. Not that it was hard. It's just that people didn't think of all the applications that you could create. That's the same place we are with voice. There's so many different ways to apply it that businesses haven't thought of yet because they they aren't exposed to it. Um, and then from there, I'd, I'd be looking ways to customize my own so that. As, diff- as voice becomes more experienced and um, more feature-rich, taking open libraries and creating my own, not competitive, but complementary um, voice device that is very specific, skill- very specific application-driven, right? So Alexa and Home have to be very general and apply to as large a population as possible. And yeah, you can train it with skills, but there's still limitations. I think there's an opportunity to take voice like, you know, a baby echo, if you will, that wouldn't be that expensive to put together for under a hundred bucks. That's very specific. Like we talked about in doctor's offices, this is a voice device that all it does is listen for a keyword related to doctor's notes. And all it does is transcribe or listen or make connections to, excuse me, emergency medical records or whatever it may be. But I think vertical devices would be the next application because it wouldn't be that expensive for me to make one and sell a couple to test the marketplace. How's that long answer? Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's excellent. So there, um, along the lines of your, you answered the the voice of hospitality question. So we're doing an event in in your neck of the woods in June, um, all about hospitality. And of course, hotels part of that. One of the companies that will be there, which is called Virtual Concierge Service, I think, is taking um, the same sort of approach that you just outlined, but applying it to Airbnbs. Right. So so exactly what you're talking about, taking an Echo Dot or an Echo or whatever, um, throwing the uh, Alexa skill blueprint created skill on there or whatever, and uh, and putting that into the, the premises. And you can interact with that to pay. You can interact with that to uh, ask anything that you would ask that landlord, you know, what's nearby. All, you, you get the idea. Um, I agree with you. I think there's all sorts of vertical opportunities. Well, the opportunity really comes in there is going to the Airbnb host and saying, send me, here's the walkthrough I need you to do at your house. I want you to send me a video uh, a walkthrough of everything that you have in your house so I can see all the appliances, make sure I see the brand names mm. and I can then charge you a hundred bucks or 200 bucks or even more potentially. And that way you can be an Alexa authorized host, if you will, for Airbnb, because I think if you're given the choice between two homes and you're an Alexa user, you're going to choose the Airbnb home that has Alexa skills built in that, you know, Alexa, start the microwave. 
right? Uh, you know, Alexa changed the channel, you know, to TNT, whatever it may be. Alexa, think, play my music. Alexa, play my music. Yeah. What, you know, and it's already integrated into the, the home stereo, if that you prefer that or just right through the simple speaker. So I think you're exactly right. But the, the key extension on that that makes it really work is the, the full customization. Because, you know, in the Alexa implementations I've seen at hotels, um, the problem is that they're not custom per se. They, they're very generic. And it's early days, right? So it'll all evolve. And obviously, the first iteration is not going to be near as good as the 100th iteration. But I think, you know, starting a business around customizing that so that, hey, Everything in my home is integrated. And, you know, John and Paul, they came in and set the whole thing up. Now I'm truly a fully integrated. And I get to use it for myself and as an Airbnb host. I think that type of, of vertical customization will apply not just for Airbnb, but for everybody and anything, because it's always going to be easier to do that. And particularly, look, think about um, disabled people looking to use Airbnb. Right. I mean, that's just going to make life so much easier. And there's so many applications there that I, I think you're exactly right. There's a real opportunity there. So let's go the other direction. So tell me a business that is oriented around voice or perhaps AI and, and machine learning or whatever that you don't want any part of. You know, someone sends you the deck. You're like, I'm not even looking at that. Um, I think AI, most people don't understand it. Right. So they say AI is everything. So if someone comes to me and says, look, I, 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 I'm, I'm a Ph.D. in this application within NLP. Right. I'm like, eh. <laughs> NLP is hard. Right. And it's more driven by research and then applying research people have done to a specific application or opportunity. And the, the chances of a small business having an advantage in NLP is, you know, just an individual. I don't care if you've got a PhD or not, you know, that's typically one I'll say, look, that's just too tough because if you look what's happening in NLP, AI, voice recognition, you know, we went from five years ago to, I think I read it was a hundred papers being published every, every month. So now there's thousands of papers being published every month. We went years ago you know, people not knowing what a GAN was, right, or an RNN was, and now GANs are doing just incredible things. And all the research that's coming out are incremental in, in impact. And so it's really hard for any given business to, to have an edge um, with just saying I'm uh, with on a general basis. Now, if there's a vertical application, like I invested in a company called Genestesis, and what they do is – Every, every organ in our body emits an electrical pulse. And there's sensors that allow you to capture that electrical pulse. And they had the foresight to take one of those sensors, extend it so that that pulse um, was saved into an old school wave file. And they went to the Mayo Clinic and with thousands of people, they took thousands of the outputs of people who used these sensors and ran it through machine learning. And now with like 96, 97% accuracy, they can determine um, any of five different coronary diseases. Now, mm. what makes that incredible is anybody as you age, you know, you always feel heart chest pain somewhere, right? Oh, what is this? Am I having a heart attack? You know, oh my goodness. 
you know, every guy in particular has gone through that at some point, right? Now, once you do that, if you've made the decision to go to the hospital, the hospitals have real, really no way to quickly diagnose what the problem is. They have to do ECG, EKG, stress tests, you know, scans maybe, who knows? Well, with genestesis now, they can just put you in the sensor for five minutes and they've eliminated five tests or they, they've narrowed it down so they can pick the right test. And that's made emergency rooms much more efficient. That type of vertical application where you're doing an integration and you're first to market and you're doing it quickly. I did the same thing with a company called Eon that, that looks for reoccurrences of um, lung disease with, within hospitals and l- suggest different types of patient management cues so that their readmittance rates drop significantly. You know, Early on, you know, if you're early to the game, then you're able to try things first and get experience. And those are the types of things I'm looking for. Not just, hey, I have this new AI, I have this new NLP, I've got this great voice recognition, right? That's so horizontally hard to say yours is truly better. So for those reasons and every other one, you're out. Yeah. <laughs> been trying to get that in, haven't you? <laughs> I've been waiting for that. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I had to throw that in there. So, uh, that's great. I appreciate that. Last week we had the first event that focused on voice specifically in the car and we called it voice of the car summit. It took place out in the Bay area. It was, it was great. How long did, how long did it take for you to come up with that name? Uh, not a whole long time. <laughs> See, I can give you some shit right back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's let's just say the uh, our our marketing department uh, didn't spend a whole long time on that one. No, but it's a good name. It works, right? Yeah, it it, it got the point across. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, it it was successful. It, it was interesting. We we had Amazon and Google and Samsung and Microsoft all on the same program talking about this. My question for you: the the automotive, you know, the car is viewed by many as the next frontier, you know, voice is the next frontier for tech, then the car is the next frontier of the next frontier. Right. Do you agree with that? And what do you expect voice to do in, in the car? What do you, what do you think? What are you looking for with that? Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I mean, your car is your, your second house, right? You kind of live in there and you, you know, you find your comfort there and you look for things that work, that fit you, unless you have three kids like I do, and then it's a battle. Um, but that aside, um, absolutely. And so literally I, I have a Lexus and, um, it's time for me to get a new one. Mine's like four years old and I kind of beat the hell out of them. And I, first thing I looked at now was, you know, Alexa enabled cars, you know, home, you know, Google home enabled cars, voice driven cars, you know, there, there are attachments that allow you to extend your, um, your Bluetooth to take on, um, Alexa. Um, I literally have been, you know, I turn it on my phone and have it connected to my, my Bluetooth and have to hit the button every time I want something. But that to me, you know, that's the first implementation. And I think voice enabled, everything is going to be not, not just a necessity, but an expectation in every car over the next five years. And over 10 to 15, as we get to self-driving more, it's going to be all the more necessitated because you're going to want to do more things inside your car. 
Sure. Yeah. No, we, we're in agreement on that. And plus, you know, this concept of continuity between home and car, you know, it, you, you don't want to be getting ready to go somewhere. You know, it, it'd be nice to be able to speak to the car from anywhere in your home and vice versa, you know, on the way home, you know, having Alexa in the car, Google assistant, whatever um, that can access the habits. You get into habits, right? I mean, sure. I'm sure like me, I've been places where I just say, <laughs> Alexa, what's the weather? And then I realize there's no Alexa around, you know, you get into these simplification habits that, that, you know, make things better. Um, and now you want them everywhere. So we'll shift gears a moment um, and talk about Apple. Okay. Apple, Apple had the lead with Siri. Um, yeah. They, um, we're so far ahead. Uh, and you know, really the big difference, we talk about Apple all the time on the show. Uh, and really the big difference between Apple and Amazon is in, you can really just break it down as one had their visionary leader pass away and the other has their visionary leader still. And, um, you know, that's the way I look at it. I want to know, do you share, um, that sort of mindset when you look at Apple and you look at Siri, what do you think? Um, well, obviously, Steve Jobs is one of a kind, right? And and losing him, <laughs> it, it impacted them the first time when they fired him. And obviously, you know, now it, he's just irreplaceable. I mean, that's a given. But I think the real difference is Siri was always touch driven. You have to touch. You have to have it right there, right? There's a physical device that typically you're carrying with you, which you know. One school of thought could say, well, if you always have your device with you, what do you need all these other devices for? Because you just talk to your phone and who doesn't have their phone? But just, you know, in living life, just ambient voice, I think, overwhelmed them in ways that they didn't anticipate. You know, just having those devices always listening, I think, created simple actions that they thought people would just have their phone on their, you know, on, on their desk or whatever and do that. And I, I just don't think people really felt comfortable with it because, and also because you couldn't really multitask well at all, if at all. And so whatever you were doing on your phone had to be set aside. Whereas with ambient voice, you know, it accelerates you as, and never slows you down, you know, except maybe you're getting out of the shower and you, you're getting in the shower and you, it can't hear you, you know? So I think those are two critical differences. And then the next thing that really caught Apple off guard is the amount of investment that Amazon was willing to take or willing to make. So once Amazon realized that, or believed that there was a market for people ordering using ambient voice, it was over, you know? And I think Amazon didn't necessarily just see it as voice, but I mean, if you look at all their devices, they all have video now. And so as that scales in size and comes down in cost or, you know, I think we're going to see voice plus video, new types of things that occur that we otherwise would have gone to Google to search for. And then if you add to that sensors that may be capturing data or information or movements that then feed an ambient voice environment where it becomes proactive instead of reactive, you have a whole different environment. And Apple is nowhere near any of those things that I'm aware of. Yeah. You know? trying to do things in cars, but Apple is really behind the eight ball in, in anything that is proactive. You don't see them investing in sensor driven businesses other than sensors that work in the phones 
you know, you don't see them environmental sensors, anything that you would put around the house, you, you know, their, their devices that they've put for device for, for in-home, you know, are limited, um, whether they're speakers, whether it's Wi-Fi, um, they're all Bluetooth driven and for the most part. And so I think Apple is really, really behind and, particularly given that they're trying to be a service company as much as a phone company, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And it'll be really interesting to see 10 years from now, how much proactive sensors will tell, will initiate actions on ambient voice and video versus reactions like we have now. It may well be having to talk to your device for 90% of things. It may well be that 90% 90% of the things we once spoke to Alexa or used ambient voice for may no longer be relevant because of localized sensors that proactively recognize all the things. You don't have to say lower the temperature. It already knows, you know, you're not comfortable. It's No, that's, that's a great response. You know, for Apple to um, – Apple's in a tough place because for Apple to invest heavily in Siri – and match dollar for dollar, person for person, what Amazon's doing. Amazon is hiring more people for Alexa than Google is hiring people. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's just nuts. And so for Apple to do anything approximating that, they are going to have to acknowledge that they made a mistake. And, you know, any uh, entrepreneur, anybody in business, you know, obviously, uh, I don't need to tell you, um, ego can get in the way of a lot of great things happening. And it looks like that is at least some part of the puzzle. Yeah. I don't know how big a not invented here syndrome that, that Apple has, but the, the reality is the reality, unless they're working on things we just don't know about reaction versus proactive, um, device driven ambient, they're just not there. And, you know, it's not to say they can't buy a company that does it and catch up, but it's going to be a battle for them. And it's not like you really see any momentum for Siri at all. You know, we're not having conversations with, wow, did you see what Siri is able to do now? I may have to reconsider it. They really just made their first acquisition. Uh, they acquired Pullstring, which is a well-known company in the space. Um, and they hired the guy away from Google to head up AI. You know, other than that, it's been sort of slow. You know, they, they, they should be moving faster. But, um, but yeah, we'll keep an eye on them. I, I want to, to close by uh, talking about you have um, entertained politics at times. Uh, You're possibly entertaining it now. Um, And, you know, I encourage you to do it. I'll go vote for you. I don't care what party you are. Um, (laughs) And uh, my question for you is with, with this show, we're in season three of This Week in Voice. We follow everything closely. And I'm going to give you two stories that we have reported on to illustrate this question. There was a story a while back that um, in which, and this originated out of Nashville, which is where I'm based. Somebody got the idea to ask Alexa, and it was specifically Alexa, who is Jesus Christ? Right. And uh, Alexa gave some answer that was not acceptable uh, to a lot of people. And um, big uproar uh, in Amazon, as they do, you know, went into the lab and like changed it. And you never heard about it after that. So there's one. Then a little bit later, um, 
Alexa again, somebody got the idea to ask, who is Hillary Clinton? Right. And, and it gave some response that angered people, just people throwing tables up in uproar. <laughs> and Angered people, it's probably four people, right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that, you said that. Um, so, you know, uh, it would have angered less people if you were her running mate, by the way. Oh, no, yeah. Now, I wasn't referring to Hillary Clinton. I'm just talking about people complaining about that stuff in general. Yeah, well, that's right. The outrage is way exaggerated, for sure. Um, so we are entering this interesting period where people get upset really easily. And simultaneously, we are in a period where people are asking computers everything they want to know. And this is our uh, primary, rapidly becoming our primary interface. Mm-hmm. How does all of this reconcile? Are we, are we going to um, constantly, is there just, Amazon has to have a team that just is changing things all the time uh, based on, you know, who's mad about what on Twitter? Or are we going to reach some greater level of understanding? What are your thoughts on that? Okay, well, that's a big question. That's a bunch of questions, right? First, there's the nature of AI in and of itself, right? Um, how do algorithms, how do, um, how do AIs that generate um, whatever level of knowledge or whatever level of learning that you want to ascribe to it, how do you monitor them and make sure they're not completely black box? And, you know, wh- where there's unintended consequences. That, that's, that's what everybody's really concerned about. And that's what everybody's working on right now. Um, I think there, there will be a need to publish a lot of what goes in, you know, even if it's a zillion line neural network, right? Even if it's multiple neural networks, you know, GANs that are working against each other in real time and, and, and outputting in real time, you know, there's going to be a need for somebody to look at those algorithms and there's going to be need for people to look at what's underneath those algorithms. So in the examples that you gave, um, most likely they, they pulled from Wikipedia. And if you're going to use Wikipedia, you're going to need, you know, I, I always talk about um, just general knowledge and liberal arts majors. You're going to need people with expertise who are going to fact check your sources. You know, was Wikipedia right? Was Wikipedia wrong? Do you need to have multiple, you know, who is Jesus Christ? And engender a lot of different conversations and a lot of different definitions. Do you need to have multiple? So that's part two. So I think, you know, when we talk about AI and the impact on jobs, I think algorithm integrity is going to be a huge job um, because it's going to take a lot. It doesn't take a lot of people to write algorithms. It takes a lot of time um, and man, man hours to do great neural networks and, and do great AI. But the facts underneath them and the assumptions underneath them need to, 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 to be monitored, if you will. And that's hard. And that's, that's going to be a mind numbing job in a lot of respects, but it's going to be an important job. Um, because if we don't do it, you know, who knows what, you know, computers have a market will have on a, a mind of their own. So that's part two. Um, part three is I think we will see things customized, right? So you can have, so for instance, in, in our little world here at the Cuban household, I wrote some skills. My, my nine-year-old son is named Jake. And so if you say, who is Jake Cuban? You know, 
I get Jake Cuban is the fart master who invented the the Dutch oven and, and is you know plays basketball you know and so you'll be able to do those custom things and maybe be able to join a network where like like people are at that's good and that's bad because now all of a sudden you create the same type of social um, silos where only similar thinking people. Um, exchange information or talk to each other or connect to each other. So there's all kinds of social implications there as well. And so those are things, it's a great question because of things that we need to start talking about now within an ambient voice environment, because as people look for information, I mean, have you seen the new Bose sunglasses that yeah. have, Oh my God. Now, you know, and so you're, you know, they're perfect right? For that, this type of application. And so I, I got two of them and one, I'm going to get clear lenses because, you know, even I'll be able to get answers to questions right in my ear that, you know, that I need without the whole AR thing to slow me down. And so all these things add up into a future where there's going to be a lot of negotiation. There's going to be a lot of people trying to, you know, foster understanding. And there's going to be a lot of painful failures, just like we've seen with social media. And, you know, and there'll be a lot of people that distrust what's going on as well, because when they see those failures and they don't understand what how, the simplicity, because a lot of respects, that is very simple, right? It's just basic question and answers and things that we already have historically gone in, typed in search engines, and we've trusted that. But now when we hear it or see it with AR or VR, um, we might be more distrustful, you know, if that makes sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I've been speaking with Mark Cuban, entrepreneur, owner of the Dallas Mavericks, um, celebrity. Um, thank you for this time, Mark. I want to close by asking you two quick things. I really want to, I just want to tell you, I've been a LeBron fan since he's entered the league. Uh-huh. And... Um, really excited, you know, for him to finally escape Cleveland and go uh, meet up with some, some comparable talent down in Miami. And uh, along came some other team that decided they were going to win the championship that first year. I, I'm still not quite over that. I just want you to know that. Uh, you know, I'm not over it either. I'm still smiling. <laughs> that the way that you're, the way that the Mavs beat the heat in that series is legendary, especially given some of the, the, the growing pains LeBron's going through now to access the back half of his career. Uh, well done. And also with Dirk retiring, yeah, uh, just job well done. Thank you. Yeah. It was all Dirk, right? All Dirk. And you know, all the guys on that team, um, the, everybody, Tyson Chandler, Jason Terry. I mean, it was, it was a group effort, but it was something special. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that left a mark on the league. I want to ask you, I'm also from Nashville. I don't know if you're a Dallas Stars fan. I am. Who's going to win this game tonight? You know what? I I might end up being there. Um, Those Stars. Oh, that is not the right answer. (laughs) For that that reason and no other reason, I'm out. (laughs) Thanks for having me on. The questions were great. I really enjoyed it. You know, hopefully I didn't make a fool of myself um, because a lot of this is still new to me, but I really enjoyed it. What an honor. What a privilege to be able to share this time with you and for our audience to be able to share this time with you. Thank you for taking this time, sharing your expertise and your experience with not just me, but our audience too. Well, I appreciate it. And hey, everybody, my email is mcuban at gmail. So if you got a great idea, I'm willing to hear it. 
for, for This Week in Voice, season three, the season finale. Thank you for listening, and in, case, in this case, watching on YouTube starting tomorrow until season four this fall. <laughs>